Be the change yeah. radio. So there you go. Be the change radio. <laughs> Tell everybody about yourself. Uh, my name is Steel Hughes. Um, I'm born and raised, spent my, my majority of my life between um, Canada and Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, but went to King High School, went to Paul Robinson Middle School, had a little brief stint at UD, UD Jesuits. Oh, different experience. High school was King and then then college. Um, recently, I just got into, did have background in business. Same, been the same person for a long time, but now my, my focus is 100% community, 100% youth. The best way I know to make create that change is through um political game. What was your like beginning aspirations? Um beginning aspirations, people have been telling me I would be good in politics mm-hmm. since I was in high school. Um I just never really my personality is not in the public eye. I'm more of I'm laid back behind the scenes kind of guy. So I know getting into politics you gotta give up a lot. And I've I was very selfish up until about three, four years ago and everything was about money, 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 money. Everything was about myself a plan that I had, a vision that I had, and just advancing that. And I would just give an hour or two, not an hour or two, but like two hours a day to coach, and that was my way of getting back to the community. Um, but I got um, three and a half years ago, I, rest, I got arrested in Greektown. Mm-hmm. And that shifted my entire mentality and focus because for the first time in my life, I had to fight through adversity that was not my own cause. Had to fight through ad- ad- adversity that wasn't like money or poverty. It was, it was a, on a different level and it was freedom. You know, um, I got arrested in, in Greektown and it's kind of, I'm looking at two felonies. I'm somebody that, you know, I, I'm, I'm in corporate America. I'm clean cut. I'm going to work every day. I'm not involved in all that riffraff. And now I'm sitting there. I saw how easy it was to have your life altered, your life changed. And that made me start seeing things as like how fragile one's picture could be. Mm. And that little light bulb was like, wow, how many other people are are facing these things and they necessarily don't have the, the, the platform or the, the resources to fight back. And that's really got me interested in politics. And I was reaching out to representatives and senators and council members trying to get somebody just to hear my case. I was wrongly arrested. This house affected me. I'm suspended from work right now. And not one single representative that was representing myself or the city of Detroit. Mm contacted me and it was like that's a issue right there so once i figured out how to navigate through the legal system i, I beat those, those cases i filed a civil suit um the place i was working gave me an ultimatum was like yo i know you've been here for x amount of years you, you know you've contributed x y and z to this company but you know you got to make a decision and at that moment i realized if you're not making the decisions for yourself Mm-hmm. you're not really putting yourself in the best situations to win for yourself, or your community. I was investing my time, energy into somebody else's dream. And I felt how it, and I, I got a firsthand experience of what it's like to have, okay, my eyes were open in that moment. And I realized, you know, you've been running from something your entire life. You know, you, you're, you're a people person going into politics was now a duty, not only just to create an opportunity for myself, but to open up doors, people behind me. To be that person that you could touch and reach on an everyday basis that's truly there to help you, truly there to influence certain certain things to benefit you directly. So let me ask you, um, say if you'd have been doing quick loans and moved up the chain, would you have later jumped into? Probably not. I was very content with the life that I had. I, I was comfortable. And when you're comfortable, you rarely want to adjust that comfort zone. You know, I was I was chasing a VP position. I was a training consultant impacting over 125 people, you know, a month. My ego was being fed and I was I was helping people, but it felt good to be looked at as a person that helps people. Right. And I was very content with the corporate path I was going down Um, that shakeup. I believe everything. I'm a spiritual person. Everything happens for a reason. I was not meant to be at Quicken Loans anymore. So I was made uncomfortable. I was forced out. And now I'm, I'm, I'm moving 100 miles per hour learning as I'm going. And what I believe is my purpose and why I was put here is to, to create change. The only way to create change, I believe, is through, through politics. Because that's where you can impact the people on a different level than just on a one-on-one basis. Now you're talking about the hundreds and thousands of people through, all through the power of the pen. No more True. holler, no more holding signs of the power of the pen is, is the way to go. The power of the pen controls the budget, where the money goes. 
And that's what I want to do. I want to be that person that could be reached at on an everyday basis, but still be able to go into rooms and create change with the mentality of the future, not the right now as my motivator. Say you uh, win and you start making a difference in your community. Would you still stay in the community? Absolutely. I don't. I, I really just can't see myself comfortable mm-hmm. living somewhere that's that's not in a city. Like I've never lived in the suburbs before, so I don't. You know, I visited, but you know, where you live doesn't matter who you are. You know, I, I could be the same person. You know, I, I, on, on my neighborhood, I'm the youngest person by 20, 30 years. So I feel a certain responsibility on that block. You know, I'm the person that does store runs, person that protects people, let people know what's going on. Why would you want to disconnect from the from your hub? Why would you want to live somewhere that's, you know, peace and quiet with birds chirping? No, I like being interact. I like being in the action. I like living around the city. Deep. So listen, if you would have moved up to VP in Quicken Loans, would you have moved out there? Would you have or would you have stayed within the community? Being because you said you your life was content at one point in time. Would you have made the shift? See, I wouldn't have made the shift out the city. Like when I was at Quicken Loans, it's funny. My life is like it's like a whole different chapter. Mm-hmm. At Quicken Loans, when I was living in, in the high rise on Jefferson off off the water, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I was still in the city, East Side Detroit. You could look out the window and oh, you yeah, could see, downtown. you know, you was downtown. Oh, so you could, you know, I was still in the city, but it was different. Mm-hmm. You know, living downtown, living off Jefferson in an apartment. Were you single then? I was single. Oh, so yeah, that plays. A I, I was I was single. You know, I say everything. Everything has changed in my life over the last, you know, three years. I look at that like that's an important thing to you know. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. You know, I met my wife three years ago. I got married. I got bought a house. I was forced to mature. I lost people. I gained people. A lot's changed in the last three years to make me the exact person that's sitting here recording this podcast. So even if I was a quick along, I would have still stayed in the city, but I wouldn't have moved to a community. I would have stayed down there because working downtown is addictive. It is. You work down there, you play down there. You know, it's I, a lot of distraction. It's a time. lot of distraction. So like I was living in that distraction. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't change anything. Nothing's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But I believe living in a living in a house, having a community, it gives you a certain responsibility and idea. Going outside and cutting your grass. Right. Because you hear other people cutting and their grass. grass. Yeah. You know, it, it Ain't about creates to top something. Me. Yeah, it's like, I'm a line. My line yeah, is better yeah. than yours. Yeah. <laughs> I played it simple. Oh, man, listen, I understand. So being of, of the community of older people, how's that affected your uh, decision making? I, I wouldn't say it's it's they haven't given me insight into running for state rep. But one thing that I appreciate, I'm a, I'm a huge I, I, I collect stories. Mm. I love listening to a good story. And what they've offered is the story. People that's been on that block of Strathmore for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. They've seen a lot. So they could tell you how the city's changed, how the city used to be back when the city was a community, black, back when the black family was a unit. Right. So I've learned necessarily lessons. I learned, I've learned lessons from them based on their experiences of what a community is. You know, you and me are both, we're both relatively young. The communities that we know, we've seen how they've changed from our childhood to now. Yeah. So imagine 40 years of experience seeing the, the, the black family change, yeah. the community change, eight mile change. It's those stories that have I've learned from is just what it used to be like. You know, what it meant to say, be able to tell somebody else's kid get off my grass and I have to worry about a confrontation coming down the line. Mm. Back when you could just speak about different aspects, the block club parties, the barbecues. Those are real communities. Those are real tight knit groups. And they hadn't didn't have a lot of crime back then because everybody knew everybody. It wasn't a lot of secrets. It wasn't a lot of sneakiness. Yeah, because the teachers stayed, the police yeah. stayed in the community. And that's what we got away from. We don't have a community anymore. We all have houses. We live somewhere. Live somewhere for six months, a year, two years, and we leave. And we're taught to not interact with people. And that's what I appreciate about living with in the community I live in is everybody interacts. See, there's one guy that cuts nine lawns. <laughs> You know, on the block, you know, it's a lady that plants flowers. Somebody makes plates and drops them off. This is all within a four block span. It's going back to my apartment um, downtown. Mm -hmm. I didn't know my neighbors. Right. I was just about to ask you that. I didn't know. I didn't care to know. Living on this block with uh, a lot of older people, has it made you a better better neighbor? Yes. Yes. Like I I would say I wouldn't answer my door. If I didn't know I had a guest coming over and somebody knocked on my door at the apartment, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. answer it because really I didn't care who was on the other side of it. 
now if I hear somebody knocking on my door, I'm answering it because it might be somebody saying they need help. You know, the other, other day, it's, it's, I won't say it's petty, but I just called it petty. I got to say it's petty um, for the masses. But I buy lottery tickets for one of the older, she's 90 years old. Mm. She buys three lottery tickets every single day. How Make long it. has she been? Did she tell you how long she's been buying lottery tickets? 45 years. Jeez. I don't know how that's it, accurate right. or not. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but she said she's been buying them for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's like something like that. That means the world to her. And it's like making that store run to buy three lottery tickets every day. Mm-hmm. It's not a necessity. But it isn't. I know it makes difference for her. It has a meaning. So it's mm-hmm. little things like that. I don't know what the question was. Oh, no. I was just <laughs> asking, like, how long was has she been playing lottery? No. Especially since you said she was 90. So Yeah, but that's the community thing. It's just you get an, you get an opportunity to learn from other people. And, and that's that's what everything that I'm about is from, from the elders, you can learn from them. That's something that I believe I was too arrogant or too cocky 10, 15 years ago when I was in high school and early in college. I didn't want to listen. I didn't have the patience to sit down and listen to somebody yeah, to we tell were, yeah, me a we were, story. They like. never told us, you know what I'm saying? We never took the time to appreciate certain things, especially because it wasn't a luxury for us. Absolutely. So it, it has now become a luxury with COVID-19 taking out a lot of elders and taking out uh, the black community in general, you mm-hmm. know? So it is appreciative to get to know people around you because you could leave and they'd be calling you like, yo, somebody ain't broken to your house, man. Absolutely. Like, so it's, it's because me and my uh, girlfriend have said that same thing is because she grew up where she knew her neighbors and I did too. So it feels good to actually know our neighbors across the street next door. So it's all good. Like you said, with the grass cutting, they cut their grass. It's like, yeah, it's time. Yeah. Let me get out. <laughs> They're saying it looks sloppy. Let me get out there. Yeah. I know. had a neighbor. Um, I had a neighbor confront my brother. My brother um is a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's bigger stature, about six, six, two, three, forty. Mm-hmm. He just went in my backyard. He had to get him out of the garage, like a pick shovel or something like that. My neighbor actually came over. He didn't recognize him, and just asked, "Hi, who you doing? How you know still?" And had my brother call me and tell me that. Then have Mister Window across the street tell me once I got home was like, "Wow, y'all really got my back." back yeah, you know that's that's, that's a new thing. Yeah. That's like wow, you know. Okay, it makes you want to go harder for them. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily to change X, Y, and Z. It's just for that relationship. Those those relationships matter, and they're starting to matter more to me the older I get. I can dig it. So what's one thing you would change about your block before you reach out to everywhere in District 10? One thing I would change about my block, I, I believe I'm a huge fan in urban agriculture. We have a lot of vacant plots. I won't mm. say blight homes, but I would I'm, I'm, I really want to create a movement where urban farming is a necessity in every community outside of just my block. So there's something like I believe it's 22 percent of Detroit is mm-hmm. abandoned. You know, these abandoned homes and abandoned properties, they cost the city money. The first thing, you got to cut the grass. If the grass is not cut, now it's, now it's a safety hazard to the community. Mm-hmm. So these abandoned homes, it costs money. And at the same time, this house was probably built in this area and around the 50s. You got lead paint. So you got lead paint chips coming off. It's help hurting the community. So I would take care of blight homes and activate those abandoned properties in the community gardens. Not only will it give people something to take pride in their community, it can combat an issue that's really being highlighted now. We're seeing it in, in the education system. A lot of kids depend on school to eat. So if we can find a way to get affordable food and healthy produce into communities for limited costs, mm-hmm. that's how you create change. And then you create a, a new industry, the green greening industry. People could learn how to plant crops, could build compost bins, could build things. Now you're you're creating a new workforce in the community that benefits the community and has a very limited cost or weight in that neighborhood. That makes sense. So um, have you been in in the community of your district? Have you talked to a lot of business owners or met with other uh, outside other zip codes in the district? Have you met with? Yeah. I've met with a few business owners. I wouldn't say a lot of them. Is COVID nineteen kind of hit right in the beginning of of transition of 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 winter, spring, summer. Mm -hmm. So I haven't got out to meet with a number of them, but I have. I spoke with a few. I understand their their issues, Um, but I'm more involved with the schools. I've been at the schools a lot more than the businesses. Awesome. What schools are in uh, District Ten? District Ten, as far as you know, you got Redford Union, you got Thurston High School, Jalen Rose Academy, uh, and Henry Ford High School. 
Those are the big high schools in that area. Henry Ford is a, people sleep on Henry Ford. Henry Ford, the right on the corner, you got Jalen Rose, the charter school, but Jalen Rose Academy is doing major things right now from, you know, just him. But he's, he's from the city. He went to music to U of M, and now he's coming back, and he's giving back to the community. So his leadership program that he's having in that high school mm. speaks volumes because he's somebody that made it out. He could have went anywhere else and retired. Yeah, he could have. But he came here and created a school because he knows that the education is important, the future is important. That's why I really take pride in the fact that they run the corner from Jalen Rose Academy. Uh, but how do you feel about the latest uh, case that uh, Gretchen Whitmer won with the literacy program? It's important. It's a major win. It's important. But I'm about action. You know, if that money is really going to come to DPS, it's really going to come to nonprofits and small businesses. These plans need to be in order. You know, I, I believe we have a history of, of misusing funds. Mm-hmm. And it, while it's an, a major accomplishment and a major case, we got to have the plans utilized that well because we know working in a high school, you see 13 and 14 year olds that cannot read. And that's an issue for a number of reasons. A, how are you in 14 years old in high school been passed up all these years <laughs> and you can't read? Yeah, that is scary. The man. second issue is, is how can we help you? You know, we, it's not just sit down and read a book to you. It's like, how can we help you learn to read? And I feel, feel like I'm, I'm really excited to see what initiatives come out of that. Winning the case is the first step. Now, what are you going to do with it now that it's won? Is what I'm eager to see and help out with. So I know you were just speaking on schools. Do you work in the schools or? I do. I'm a, um, it's called a restorative practitioner. I don't know. That sounds kind of fancy. Yeah, so I say, I'm a, I say I'm an assistant dean. <laughs> I'm a dean of discipline at um, University Prep High School. And I love it. I love it. I know being that you work in school, have you, what are some of the changes you noticed from when we were in high school to now? Visually seeing not a lot is, is different. Mm-hmm. You know, I think kids are more accepting of one another nowadays Mm -hmm. you know you see the athletes hanging with the anime kids um but it's it's what i hear um and i'll i'll be honest i couldn't imagine being in high school during the social media phase a lot of these kids are are they're fragile and what i mean by that is their identity is based on an app or a phone or a social profile and if that social profile gets attacked they're hurt but in real life they're not quite sure who they are as a person because they spent all their time behind this character. To yeah. Build. Because, and it's, that's a unique dynamic that I've observed. And it's just, so it's, it's, who are you? Who are you beyond the social media aspect? So that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. A lot of issues in high school are coming from so-and-so like this comment or so-and-so spam page said this. And it's, it's not like confrontation. Like somebody stepped on, stepped on my, on my white ones. Right. It's not a confrontation like that. It's, it's a lot of things are rooted in, in a superficial world that doesn't really exist. Oh, Cyberbullying. That's, and that's a major issue. And it's, that was a hard thing for me to get my head around. Cause I'm thinking like, just close the app. Turn your phone off. Mm. You know, go why outside and play a basketball. Anyway like that? <laughs> you know? If you're not making a call, why are you on the phone? But it's a real issue. In their in their space, cyberbullying is a real issue. And that's something that needs to be taken care of. I'm not sure how to regulate it, but cyberbullying is what I'm seeing is one of the number one issues that I'm seeing. Mm. Besides the literacy thing, besides the poverty and kids not eating, those are major issues. It's the, it's the superficial stuff. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine having a Twitter or Instagram in, in high school. We'd be totally distracted. I couldn't, man. I don't see how they're able to pay attention because I'm sure they'd be on their phones all day. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how you punish a kid. Give me your phone. <sighs> they yeah. fall all out. And it's like, dog, I can suspend you for three days. Or you can give me your phone for the last three hours of school. Give me my three days. Well, it's like, babe. That's scary, bro. You can suspend it back in the day. Like, no, okay, listen. Can we work this out? Can I pick up paper around the school? Just I can't be suspended because I don't want my mom. You're like, man, you can send me the Sarge. Man. Yeah, <laughs> send me the Sarge. I take the wood. <laughs> my phone bogus anyway. I don't oh listen, man. man, but that is crazy. Hey, um, talking to the kids have how are their communication skills? They're spotty. Some kids are sharp as a tack. Other ones they're they're unable to make eye eye contact because they don't they really have a lot of interactions. It's all mm-hmm. social, 
So just teaching kids to have confidence, confidence of standing up straight, looking somebody in the eye and shaking the hand. Mm -hmm. And that goes, that can go a step further. Is that social media or is that the lack of the male presence in the community? The lack of the, the lack of a positive male role models and the eye contact and, and shaking a firm hand, having a firm handshake, mm -hmm. you know, but that's what is, they're not able to fully get engaged in a conversation that's real. It's always something superficial or this rapper did this, this rapper did that. It's like, y'all need to stay on current events. I know you said there uh, maybe a lack of male figures. Uh, being that you're running for state rep, would you set up um, any type of, of like uh, entrepreneurship or mentorship programs? Absolutely. Um, beyond the agriculture, the other key piece that I'm running on is, is programs within schools, mm -hmm. which is funding in nonprofits, which bring in people to the community. Now, some of the nonprofits will be focused on agriculture, but that's still a mentorship path. You have something like a trade. Mm -hmm. So bringing trade schools back to schools, but running it through a nonprofit, through, through, through um, the, the training center, things of that sort, where we're getting people into these schools, mm -hmm. speaking about other opportunities beyond just college. Because right now you can get it. You can be an IP developer. Yeah, true. And make far more than somebody that goes to college to be an accountant. Yeah, so, and you will have less debt. And that alone by itself. So just in school, mentorship is important. So the way I do that now is I, 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 um, I'm on the board of a football organization, Detroit City Lions. And we use sport as the carrot to get the kids to come into us. To get, once they come to us, we offer robotics, chess clubs, male mentoring, female mentoring, how to groom, how to have proper etiquette dinners. We need to have more organizations like that. Right now, that's at Tenor Recreation Center on Seven Mile in Wyoming. We're looking to spread that out around the city of Detroit. We just need more people to come together and have this vision and realize it's not all about making money. Mm -hmm. The idea of a nonprofit is, is to create change. And if we can find more nonprofits to partner with, with our schools, now we're exposing kids to more opportunities and more things that are available to them in the city of Detroit and yeah. Harper Woods. Because it seems like we got... They cut a lot of funding and Votec no uh, yeah. skills for because we used to have that when we yeah. was in high school Votec. But now everybody pushes to college, the college route, the college route. It's like college is an amazing tool. I went to college, mm -hmm. I graduated. However, I have a friend more successful than me. Right out of high school, he started the heating. He went to heating and, heating and cooling school. Now he has a heating and cooling business, has fourteen trucks, and moved on to to driving eighteen wheelers. Those are skilled trades that will always be in business. You're always going to need somebody to work on heating and cooling. Definitely. The plumbing industry. You always need people to get their hands around that, that know a unique skill set. And we need to start glorifying those positions. Not just you. it's, it's your announcement that you announce what college you're going to. That's an amazing accomplishment. But for the kids that are going to go in, in, into, into learning how to drywall and construction, those are major accomplishments because you're picking a career and a skill at a young age. And those need the same amount of should be treated the same amount of respect as somebody that's going to U of M or Michigan State. Dig, I can dig it. Um, how would you? What are your plans to reach? Because uh, there's a certain uh, a big number of elderly in the district ten. Reach them, being that you're so young. Do you feel like you get stuff done for them? You ask like, how will I reach them? As far as like getting material to them or speaking to them, or is how I represent them? Yeah, how would you represent them? I'll listen to them the same way I do with people on, in my neighborhood on my block. I, I listen. And as long as they understand where, where I'm coming from mm. and I understand where they're coming from, we establish a mutual respect. I'm good. So as far as what I mean by that is I'm coming from an angle of, of I'm all about the youth and improving the future for myself and people behind me. And if you could buy into that, that's amazing. I'm not everybody's can. I'd be the first to tell you that. While lowering property taxes and lowering car insurance are important, so is funding schools. Definitely. So I ask you, like, with right now, would you be more concerned? So we talk about the right now businesses are getting bailouts and loans while education is being cut. Would you rather, as a father, make yourself in a better position or your child? It's tough because you will want the better position so you could provide for her, but yet you don't want her to lack the necessary tools. And the same way you believe that, I would like to think that a lot of folks in their heart of hearts believes that it's about the next generation. So as and they, we need politicians, we need representatives, representatives in office mm. that embody the same way you feel as a parent, as a father. 
you've you've done what you've done as a man. Your main motivation now is to improve the livelihood of your of your offspring, the next the next version of you. Yeah. And I have that philosophy for my community. I've accomplished what I'm going to accomplish at 30 years old, so I'm not looking to gain more money. I'm trying to find ways to create change for the other folks. They don't have to go through the struggles that I went through. And I believe if I'm given the opportunity to explain that mentality and explain that movement to somebody, I could I could earn their respect and earn their vote. Now, they may say, I want my, my car insurance lowered right now or it's a no deal. And I understand <laughs> the importance right. of car insurance and property taxes. I, I get that. But that's a very selfish yeah. mindset to make a decision because you're you're saying as long as I'm not spending an additional three hundred dollars a month or three hundred dollars every six months for these payments, mm-hmm. I don't care the the long term effects that it's creating. So if they can, if people can understand that what I stand for is education. What I stand for is youth and community empowerment from a standpoint of education and opportunities. I would love to earn your vote. But if, if those are things that you necessarily agree on and you're 100% focused on the right now in the next two or three years, I'm not the person for you. I'm all about creating a better future. Mm-hmm. And creating a better future sometimes may start off slow. It may start off with hiccups. But eventually things will get better down the line. I'm not a person that's going to shine something shiny in your face now, get your attention, and then the next big thing that comes up, hop on that bandwagon. I stand strong in my core beliefs and my principles, and that's the future. And if a person can believe that, that their grandchild future is worth more than $600 less on car insurance, then I rock with you. If not, I'll continue to talk to you until I convince you that you need to care more about your grandchild's future than a lowered property taxes or lower car insurance with the attitude it seems like there's a lot of selfishness among yeah. our community now it's like man as it's, a representative gotta you gotta look eyes. at it as i'm going in there with the mentality that a parent would have for their child i don't believe any parent would make a bad decision or make a bad choice they, they know it's going to affect their kid in a negative manner as if we had representation like that i believe our our states will run better our city will run better our communities will run better because everybody would take care of their community and that's the mentality that I have. So why do you think uh, older generation are, aren't giving us the right of way? Why do you think they haven't given us the right of passage yet to run something? I believe it comes down to trust. Um, I believe our grandparents' generation was a great generation. I feel like along the way of our parents, we may hit a speed bump. You know, we may hit a speed bump in the 80s mm. and, and 90s that may have shifted the the confidence that they may have in young people. Very few are, are open to opening the door and saying, let me teach you. They're like, I went through it the hard way. I walked to school uphill, both ways, barefoot in the rain. Yeah, You could do the same thing as me. And it's like, man, you realize if you went through all that and you learn X, Y, and Z, if you just teach me X, Y, and Z now, imagine what I could accomplish. I don't have to go through the hurdles and walking up uphill both ways, barefoot in the right. rain. And that's what I mean. It's like, I believe we need more people that are willing to, 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 to listen. So what I mean by we hit a speed bump. I feel like something happened where whether there was lack of information, mm-hmm. lack of resources, lack of drive, something happened where the black dynamic shift shifted between the hustle and bustle and elegance of the sixties and where we are in 2020. And I feel like whatever happened, that's the part that's we got to figure out because there's a reason why we don't know things that our grandparents know. Right. It, it, it's a reason why a lot of folks don't know how to change a tire or change the oil in their car. There's a reason. We just, what's the reason? Because I know you got the, what was that, uh, com- change in the conversation for the, uh, what was that uh, you put Pal on? thing? Yeah. Um, it was corner conversations. Yeah, that's what it was. I think we're lacking that man like elder at the the fire with the kids t- telling them stories folk tales and stuff you know what I'm saying it's and, and that and that came from something that was corner conversation something that I'm very proud of and it's 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 something that's like it 
I'm very proud of Corner Conversations because I'm a I'm not a very vulnerable person. I love having vulnerable conversations, mm-hmm. but it's very hard for me to admit my weaknesses. And um, their CEO, um, Mr. David Greenwood, um, him and I were having a conversation. He's an accomplished man, retired firefighter. He's an accomplished man, and we sat there and just he was open to talking to me after after my arrest and just wanted to hear what happened because I was a pal kid and he's someone he knows me as a person that's done previous things with pal on, on, on a um on a city on a citywide scale. And telling him what happened, he he told me a story about how he was a victim of um police police profiling and racism back when he was in college. And here's somebody that I look up as a mentor explaining things that he's going through. And we sat down and put together a plan. I said, I believe anything could be changed through vulnerable conversations. If two people, two entities, two governments, two parties, if anybody is willing to drop the guard and have an honest dialect conversation about pain, about feelings, about fears, something can come Just out of that. getting to know each other. Yeah, something. Cause, and, th- and that's what it was about. Because, you know... Excuse my language, but people say F the police. And which is, you know, that became a model for a while when cops were killing unarmed black men. Mm. But then I started thinking back. I have friends. I have a friend named Jarrell Herring. We call him Slack. He's a cop. We live together in Atlanta. He was going through the academy. So it's, I don't know him as a cop. I know him as Jarrell Herring. So it's more of the things as cops are people. Mm-hmm. They're human beings who go to work to do a job, and that's a challenging job. Well, yeah, but I mean, but you know, it's 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 just a stigma now because remember, once we talked about a lot of our educators and people who service people stay in the city, a lot of them don't now, so they bringing in people outside the city who just wrote, yeah, you know, and it's scary. And I've been out for three years now, a year and a half. We have a guy that lived on, on my street who's mentally um. He's special needs. He has a learning disability. And it's happened four occasions mm. where he'll just come out the house nude and he'll just walk up and down the street and they eventually end up on his porch. So people in the neighborhood, we know him. We know why he's doing it. Something happened. He ran out the house. So we know what to do. So you have an officer that doesn't belong in that community come into their neighborhood trying yeah. to patrol or do his job. He's not going to know how to handle that. And that's, that's, what, that's what the long-term goal, we're still working on it. Corner Conversations is more than just a conversation. It's a movement. And we're using, once again, like, like the Morris, the Detroit City Alliance, using sport as, as the carrot. So what we're doing, we're taking those community officers and we're making, or asking them to go to the, the, um, the PALS field of that neighborhood two times a week, year one. And just hang out with the kids, toss the ball around, be a presence there. Mm. And that works in two ways. They get to get a better presence in the community with the youth. It also works for a sports standpoint or a pal standpoint because we have an issue with with parents drinking and smoking in the parking lot while the kids are practicing. And then we're sending kids home to parents that aren't going to drunk drive or drive under the influence. So that cuts down that in that space as well. But also now they're present with the kids. We're adding in a community garden after all these fields as well. But then fast forward year two of, of this, this project, each PAL team will have one officer as a coach on that staff. So now mm-hmm. they're getting to know a, a police officer as a coach, not a cop. That's not a coach. And then that brings a different relationship in the, in the, to the dynamic. And in year three, have one coach on every level in PAL. So it's a scale that we're working on the corner conversation about mm-hmm. the end goal is in five years. If you play football, basketball, or baseball in PAL, you now have a positive interaction with an officer as a memory. My right. first interaction with, with the cop was in a negative light. And that's what we want to get away from. We don't want the first time you first first time you interact with a cop is you see the, the red lights in your rear view. We want you to have memories, have yeah, connections, have mentors right. who are who wear that shield. And then just doing that creates a respect. From a community aspect of them, because now I'm not just seeing you when you come to break up our fun. You sitting there playing football with my son, cracking jokes, and now we talking. And now, now it's a community, yeah, community organization through pal, through sport. But we're creating relationships in, in the community. It's outside. It's, it's all about ripple effects, and that's what I'm trying to create. Very small, 
changes in the city that over time will create ripple effects. It's a marathon. Everything's a marathon. You don't look at everything as one or two years because things change. If you go in things with planting seeds, mm-hmm. that's where true change will come is just intentionality, intentionality in your interactions and your planning. Yeah, I like that. I know um, you speaking of with the police coming to be involved as coaches. When I was growing up, I, I played for the Giants. I did one year over there. My um, few of the coaches were actual police because it it's actually be a rule. Yeah, police athletically, so Absolutely. it's kind of weird now to to kind of have to have them forcing because it. When we grew up, it was guys who were who played at like the Giants played at practice at Denby and we that was their home field like the Falcons was Kettering you know it's just I guess with the changing of them closing schools because now Kettering is about to be an auto plant now you know so it's crazy man like it's different man be, I think being of the people you can only be the people if you of the people Absolutely. you know you can't just come outside and be like well I know that you guys Need your grass cut every or the trash pick up at bulk day. Like, no, it's deeper than that, yeah. man. Like, you got to understand this community to operate here. You know what I'm saying? It's a code. Every community has a code. Absolutely. You know, so. Can't come outside. Good morning, my neighbor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it won't work, man. You know what the response is going to be. <laughs> crazy. It's back in the house. But it's, the city is different, man. So how do you feel the, you, we talked about. The approach of getting the elder or the older crowd how do you plan to what's like your approach folks our age and younger it's, as a as a as a person that's running i can say i feel very uncomfortable making political posts and asking people to donate because it's it's bigger than a campaign it's bigger than politics i feel very uncomfortable asking for these things right now but how i connect people my age is i know what i want I know what I want for my wife. I know what I want for my friends. I know my friends that run businesses. I know what they want. And we're not all that that different. We want childcare. We want our kids to have a better education. We want to have opportunities to own homes. We want to learn more about property ownership. We want to learn more about investing. Those are things that I care about, that I'm interested in, and I would think that a lot of other folks are. But if they're not, I'm always down to ask, like, you, you and Alex live in in, in, in my district. Mm-hmm. Not my district, but the district that I'm running for, District right. 10. What are things that you look for in a politician? What do you look, what do you want as a representative? You know, I talked to a few people and, and a lot of them didn't have the answers. They look for the name that sounds best <laughs> on the bill, which terrified me, but that was the response. That he, That's I, true, I, I go back sucks. to my brother Jeff a lot because a lot of my fun stories mm. are we interacting with Jeff because we're, we're total opposites. That's we're total opposites. So he's like, man, I picked my candy by a person with the longest name. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? You lied, Jeff. Like, it's like, no. <laughs> but that's, but I take that as an opportunity. Wow. There's other Jeffs out there mm-hmm. who may not even care about politics. They don't think that it, it has an impact on their, on his, on their everyday life. My brother, he, he does construction. Politicians control everything about their job, from their health care, retirements, to, to even paid sick leave. Mm. And I try to stress the importance of that. So it's just education. Education is the biggest tool because five years ago, I could care less about politics. Ten years ago, I was oblivious. My mother was, was born and raised in, in Canada. Right. So I wasn't brought up being talked to about politics and this strategy and this person and this representative and this branch of government. I'm learning that over the last five years. So I know if I wasn't aware of all this information and knowledge, there's other folks my age. So just taking the time to educate them and make sure they're aware of everything in our life is connected. And the more you learn about who you vote for, not on a big scale, the big scale gets the most attention. What creates change in our city and our neighborhoods are local elections. Who's your judge? A lot of us will see a judge before we'll see a politician. Mm-hmm. So be more in tune to who you vote for when it comes to picking your judges. So just educating folks on the elections, when they are, who's who's running, and why they should be, why they should care. That's why I say education is key. Yeah. First tool is like I'm not going to man, vote for me. It's you know what do you care about? What's what's your hobbies? Right. 
I've known you for years. Yeah. I may not be your candidate. You may not, right. And that's the thing. I don't want people to vote for me because of my name or because, like, like Jeff, I have the steel hues on the ballot. No, I want to be able to represent you as a person. Like you said something that I want to come back to because that's one of my ideas I stand for. You said you didn't like all the blight homes and abandoned properties over in your community. Mm-hmm. When this pod, when we started this conversation, I started off talking about how 22% of Detroit is abandoned. Right. That alone is an issue because... Like you said, you wouldn't want to live over there. It doesn't look right. Only does not look right. It's a health hazard because who knows if it's asbestos in that home, mm-hmm. lead paint. Who knows if, if it's people that are squatting in that home, somebody burning a, a barrel to stay warm, set the house on fire, which right. burns to the house next door. And mind, the city is still responsible for cutting that grass, they are, which yeah. is a bill. Mm-hmm. Take down that home, turn that space into a community garden, a playground, anything, make that for the community then you will feel more comfortable going over there. And that's something that I'm standing, I'm committing to as a representative, as a candidate, that I want to champion and change. So this that little interaction right there is just that's how I plan on earning people's votes is I'm always down to, to, I'm always down to listen, take in whatever people have. And then if what you want fits into my ideology, I, I'm your person. If what you want doesn't fit in my ideology, I try to find a compromise. If not, I'm going to plug you with somebody who can help you because at the end of the day, it's not about winning or losing. It's about creating a change. Right. So it's all about conversations. I'm down to talk to anybody. I'm, I'm down. I give out my personal cell phone number, my email address, my social media. If you have a passion that you care about, talk to me about it. If we can work together or collab on anything, I'm always down to help people because I truly believe one little interaction creates ripple effects that'll create you know, much need to change further down the line. I like that. You know, that's give me some homework now. <laughs> figure out why, why am I voting for Steve? <laughs> but before we go, um, I know you said you're newly into the game five years. Um, how do you think that's going to play into you running? Because, you know, most people are like, ah, you don't have no background or you have no paperwork, no paper trail to show what you have done to lead up to this point. But then it's like, what about the people who do have the paper trail? What have they done for you? You know? Absolutely. So it's like, how do you feel you stack up against other candidates being that you're newly into the game? Um, I'm newly into politics. I'm not newly into being a good person, a person of integrity. I'm not a new person into the community. I'm new to politics. If you do your research on me, you'll know that. No, I'll go a step further. If you know me, Back to elementary school, I was a person that beat up bullies. I was a person that got paid 25 cents to walk kids home from school. I've always stood up for the person that wasn't representative. If you knew me in middle school, it was an organization that UD Jesuit called BASE, which is for black kids that feel marginalized in a prominent private school in Detroit. Mm. It was a group that we started to have our conversations, have our issues with the school, and create a change in the school. I was I was a part of the group that started that back in 2002 in middle school. If you knew me in high school, I was the person that was popular but got along with everybody I interacted with. I was the person that opened up my doors for friends who needed a place to stay, place to eat. Few folks know it, but I even opened up my doors and let somebody stay with me my senior year, and we took care of them. I've always been a person that would give her off my back to help others. I'm a good giver. So if you know me my entire life, you know what I stand for. You know my character. If you're researching me now, if you're new to me, my only real creative thing since I've been an adult in Detroit, besides sports accomplishments and creating nonprofits, I started off at a little place called One Reverse Mortgage. It's a, it's a reverse mortgage company, which is a part of Quicken Loans. Um, they had a, a rule where you weren't allowed to transfer from that, that company to Quicken Loans. If you didn't succeed there, you were gone. I fought hard for that because I may not be good at sales, but I still have a lot of qualities that can go into the company. Mm. And I fought hard, and I was the first person that won reverse mortgage, opened up that door to allow folks to transfer out of reverse mortgage banking and get into the real money maker, which Quicken Loans. And once I was in Quicken Loans, I started off as a compensation specialist. And a lot of issues that we had there were retention rates. A lot of the, the mortgage bankers there felt like, dang, if I'm not at work making calls or dials, 
I may not necessarily make enough money. They didn't want to take time off because it will affect their goal. Mm -hmm. So we came up with a plan known as ACE, the Amazing Compensation Engine, which is the tool we use to this day to how bakers get paid now that creates a prorated schedule that encourages a healthy work-life balance. That alone helped the potential rate of quicken loans. And after that, I went to a business consultant role. And we started with looking at how we interview, how Quicken Loans interviews individuals, how you bring them on. And we laid out the entire process for onboarding from the, the click to apply down to your third and final confirmation interview down to the which you receive when you've been hired. Mm. We mapped that entire process out and we readjusted it to make it more streamlined and client facing friendly. I helped with that initiative. We have the um, annual compensation um, tool that allows us to be paid the bonuses every year to have the company's profits. I laid out that process and how that gets streamlined so the bonus rate gets paid on time. You can look on there, see what stage it's in. You can ask the proper questions online, not just be surprised with, oh, you'll get it next month, next month. And then after that, I went on to a training consultant where you train or you, you mentor bankers or individuals coming in to Quicken Loans who don't know anything about mortgage. They didn't know that mortgage has a T in it at the time. And you train them up and get them to pass the safe exam. And in that role, I excelled not only in training individuals, but people that I were in my training class mm -hmm. went on to leadership positions because they'll tell you, you can Google this, things that are all fact-based. You Google my name, you'll see my accomplishments. They went on leadership positions because of my training style and how I pour into people. So it depends on how you want to get to know me. But I may not have an experience in politics, mm -hmm. but I have a background in creating change and moving the needle forward. Status quo is something I cannot accept. I have a history in changing. Anywhere I go, it shifts. Momentum shifts because my, I believe that I can't accept bare minimum. If I'm involved in something, it has to grow. And that's the mentality that I'm going to bring into politics is, I don't need to sit by somebody's side for 15 years and watch them sign paperwork and, and read documents to them. I don't, I don't need to be an A for the, I would appreciate somebody that I could, I don't mentor me. I would, I would open, I would love the opportunity to sit down with somebody and, and assist them and help them, help them learn. Uh -huh. But I have a passion for the people and I have, I have a drive that's going to create a change. So what's the point in putting off me running right now? I'm le I've learned so much in the last year and a half. I've made so many connections in the last year and a half. So I'm running my heart out for District 10 state representative. But if I lose the amount of information that I've learned, the connections that I've made, this is just the beginning. Like, you know, right. your, your first year playing football, you're nowhere near as your, as your senior year playing football in yeah. high school or college. Especially if you take it serious. Yeah, so everything's about growth and evolution. And I, I accept that I'm green. I'm encouraged. I'm excited the fact that I'm new to politics. And if people hear this podcast and y'all want to help or want to talk junk, just think, how can you help somebody grow? If you look through the lens, instead of trying to knock somebody down or always compete with somebody, how can we collab? How can we work together? How can we empower each other? Because iron sharpens iron. Mm. I'm iron as hell. I'm just looking for somebody that's willing to work with me and sharpen. And we're going to grow because I'm going to be a name for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Mm. This is just my first attempt at yeah. politics. If I fail, I fail. But I look at everything as it's a marathon. I've learned so much. I got so excited about I haven't been excited about something in a long time. And I'm green. I'm new. I may not have the impressive resume or the impressive call log that some of my other candidates have. But I have the passion and I have the vision that I think I'm the best person for that seat. And I will accept the mentors and I will learn as I'm as I'm moving forward. Mm. But my passion and energy is where it needs to be. And if somebody is more qualified than me, they're more qualified than me. They've, they've earned that experience. And I would love to learn from them. I'm not cocky or arrogant at all. Mm -hmm. I know if I could learn from them, if I combine their knowledge, their experience with my passion, energy, and my connections, I'm ready for 2022. Then 2024. Mm -hmm. And then 2026. So you're going to keep going until... Yeah, it's like it's not about... Politics is not something you just, you know, put on a cape and all of a sudden you're a politician. Right.
I'm in the room now. So it's like the next two years, mm. the initiatives that I'm talking about now, I'm making connections in those fields. I'm building, I'm finding mentors. I'm talking to people that are connected to people that I'm trying to get in those rooms. And in four years, who knows? Because a year and a half ago, I wasn't, right. I nobody knew who I was in the political game a year and a half ago. Jeez. And now people know who I am. So it's one of those things where it's, it's my mind's made up. I'm building a team. Right now, all my team, we're all new to politics. We're all young, hungry professionals with our own unique skill sets. Mm-hmm. Imagine what would happen if we all tap into that in four years. It'll I'm looking at somewhere this, different. Man, the potential is endless. And that's just... So they may have more experience. They may have been somebody's aide. They may have done some calling. They may have stood outside with a sign and protested. I admire and respect all of those things. My approach is different. I have a business background. I have a youth background. I've coached for 10 years. The kids that I've coached are now 18 years old. I'm talking to them about the importance of voting. I'm creating change that I want to see in my neighborhood. You know, I may hold You may hold a sign to something else for years, but I may not never have seen you at a football field picking up, you know, hot dog wrappers and foil for four hours, nine o'clock at night after a whole day of football. Mm-hmm. We move different. And I believe if you embrace that in somebody, if everybody portrays their own definition of activism and their definition of positive influence on the community, no way is right or wrong. It's just how you choose to move. I move in a different way than a person that's trying to get noticed and pictures taken and video recorded and, and get arrested making a protest. I move differently. So I'm just, I'm excited for the opportunity. I'm excited to grow. And if you have more experience than me, I would love to, to learn from you. It's not the threat at all. Right. I would love to learn from you. Hey man, that's dope. So 30 seconds, tell somebody why they should vote for steel Hughes for state rep district 10. You should vote for me because I'm an authentic person. I'm not coming from anywhere fake. I'm not coming from any hidden agendas and initiatives. I genuinely care about the community. I care about kids. I care about you. I will represent you the same way I represent my wife, my mom, or any kids that I coach or have taught. I'm a person that comes from stressful situations. I know what trauma in the home and the community can do to somebody, long-term effects, and I'm here to create programs, initiatives that our kids don't have to go through half of the stuff that we went through. Please give me the opportunity to talk to me. My cell phone number is 313-443-8504. If you want to check out my website, it's www.steelphughes10.com. You can Google me, learn about me, connect with me. I would love the opportunity to represent you. Thank you for your time. Be the Change Radio. There you go. Be the Change Radio. (laughs) I love it. Peace.